Behind this door is another dimension. Welcome to Enter the Flow Zone podcast. This is the only podcast that teaches people the secrets of peak performance, positive psychology, and mindset mastery to help unlock your flow state. Here's your host, certified flow coach and international happiness consultant, Sumed Chatterjee. Welcome back to the Enter the Flow Zone podcast. As always, we have an amazing special guest expert with us. And I hope you're all doing very well. If you haven't done so already, please check out Apple Podcasts and leave us a review right on there. Today, we have an amazing guest expert with us today, Campbell Will, and he's a breathwork practitioner. He's a wellness badass, a certified Wim Hof instructor and a physiotherapist. So welcome, Campbell. How's you, how are you doing, man? I'm very good. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here, Sumed. Um, I'm always happy to talk about my passions to breath and it's nice to see it starting to sort of be noticed on lots of different platforms and levels. So I was really happy when you reached out and wanted to have a chat. Awesome, man. Yes. So first of all, if you could tell our audience a little bit about yourself and how you got into this breath journey, let's say. Yeah. So I'm from Australia. Um, I went to university and started practicing physiotherapy and I had a a quite a distinct moment um, quite a few years ago where a patient sort of told me that when, when you can't breathe, nothing else matters. Um, And he said it with sort of such conviction and and such power that that really made an impression on me so I, I began to sort of study breath effects all of the other systems in the body um, and I sort of came across breath in a yoga practice um, and then really came across the word method about three years ago um, and I saw the vice documentary which is quite interesting this guy's doing these crazy things um, and so it intrigued me and I sort of dived into the practice and all of the the benefits that is sort of come with the Wim Hof that I saw in my own sort of life. My sleep got better, my energy got better. I had these really, really cool experiences during the breath where to me is akin to sort of dropping into that flow state. Um, and so I then sort of pursued that and became an instructor. Um, and it's just been a sort of ever expanding journey since then. Um, I'm teaching more and more breath work within my sort of physiotherapy um, and just wherever I'm sort of living at the moment. So I sort of split my time between Australia and the US. My wife's from Philadelphia. So we sort of spend a bit of time here, a bit of time there, but I'm just trying to do workshops and spread the breath, so to speak. Mm, Spread the breath, I love it. Awesome, man. And you know, there's a lot of different, you know, metaphors of breath all around the world, especially like, you know, there's kind of this idea of like, I was recently coming across this idea of aloha, how that means like in the presence of, Uh, breath actually and how you know it almost reminds me of like you know the force in star wars how breath is like everywhere some people even call in the indian system like prana being everywhere right and so it's this thing which can which you can actually actively tap into which is everywhere which is uh this amazing journey yeah and uh, you know i've practiced a little yeah, go Just ahead. on that point, I think it's a really, I, I was so interested in the same thing when you look at the way language is used. And if you look back at prana or chi or ki or spiritus, yeah. these really old words that breath is the same as life force. It's the same, yeah. it's synonyms for the same word. And so breath used to be seen as like prana is this energy. Um, and so I think language portrays that really nicely when you look at the old ways that people used to speak about the breath was about this energy, this connection, this 
thing that's more than just oxygen, more than just air. Mm, yeah, totally. And could you talk to me a little bit about the Wim Hof method? Because I know I've definitely practiced elements of it and I've noticed like him, exp he explains it so interestingly <laughs> enough. And like, you know, of course there's this like, you know, where you hold your breath, there's like a dilating of the, of the blood vessels, I believe, where, you know, there's a lot more oxygen flowing into them. And then you can actually send breath into different areas of your body. Could you speak briefly a little bit about that? Because I think that's really fascinating. Yeah, and that's really one of, one of the parts of um, the Wim Hof method in particular that really interests me is if you look at the physiology behind what's happening, almost exactly as you described, it's a little bit the other way, but when you're holding the breath, because essentially you've breathed out a lot of carbon dioxide and it, so it makes all of your blood vessels constrict. So it's like a contraction. Oh, okay. And then as you're holding your breath, as the buildup of carbon dioxide, all of the vessels begin to open again. And so you create mm. this really big sort of flush through the body where you're exposing it to this sort of high, oh, sorry, low oxygen state or this sort of high CO2 or low CO2 state. And, and that has a response in the body, particularly in the sort of circulatory system that you either mm. constrict or you dilate. And so it, it's quite interesting. And, and as you sort of pointed to, and Wim's got this amazing ability that his sort of awareness or his focus is so strong that he can sort of, preferentially or specifically think about sort of dilating or contracting his hand or warming up his hand. Mm. Um, and so he shows this sort of incredible ability or control over his body or connection with his body. But I think um, as you sort of dive into deeper into the Wim Hof method practice, it's one of really the elements is connecting to the sort of deepest systems in your body. If you put yourself in this wonderful meditative sort of state and you're adjusting your physiology, all of a sudden, there's a little bit more of a, of a connection or a communication that you seem to have a bit more access to these sort of systems or parts of the body. And so that's the way that Wim can sit in an ice bath for near on two hours. So he's in so much sort of connection with his body that he can maintain this sort of balanced, uh, calm state amidst a really intense stressor. So the other part of the Wim Hof method that I really like to teach is what it's doing to the nervous system. And if I'm in that sort of fight or flight state that sympathetic nervous system can i actually move myself into a parasympathetic nervous state so this more mm. calm state and, and if you could learn to do that in the middle of an ice bath then you're really teaching yourself how to move into a calm state whilst there's a really intense stress happening yeah like and a i think that's a really important situation. tool yeah exactly yeah. right so you sort of find that center point and you calm yourself mm. down it's a really valuable instrument that's awesome, man. Yeah. So in terms of the kind of breath work that I've been doing, I've been doing a lot of like clenching of the intrinsic muscles and then holding that in and then letting that go. And in terms of like the Joe Dispenza stuff, but also like mm -hmm. um, I've, I've done Wim Hof breathing in the past and I've noticed that there's this definite like altering of consciousness. <laughs> like there's a, there's a feeling of like um, almost like, would you would you say that this is the same thing as DMT breathing when people bring it up, or is that something um, completely different? No, I think it's a variation of the same sort of principle. Um, and so they used to this sort of power breathing is an element of the Wim Hof method. They used to call that DMT breathing, and there's right. other sort of forms of breath work, the holotropic breath work, or yeah. these other more active style. Yeah some of the theory out there is that you're accessing also these endogenous areas of DMT release. 
Um, mm. And it's hard to say. There's, I mean, there's you can't sort of specifically measure that, and so you, it right. would be difficult to say you are or you aren't doing that. But mm. I've had some pretty amazing experiences that feel yeah. quite um, in a, an altered sort of state of consciousness. Yeah. And if you look back at sort of Stanislav Grohl and these pioneers of breathwork that talked about non-ordinary states of consciousness when you use this form of breathwork. Mm. Um, and it does, man, it puts you in sort of a, a different um, state of awareness, a different sense of connection, different sense of sort of sensing. It's, Wim often talks about you get high on your own supply. Yeah. Um, and so <laughs> these sort of breath, and, and I've definitely had those experiences where I feel really euphoric and this energy and I feel kind of high. So it's a wonderful what a way to access that sort of natural mm. state of energy. That's wonderful. So could you talk to me a little bit about in your, in your physiotherapy practice, like when are some overlaps that happen in terms of like when you introduce breath work and what interesting like things come up in terms of that? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. And that's something that sort of played on my mind quite a bit over the last few years. And really, I also sort of come back, like I mentioned before, is about the nervous system. Um, and so if you're working on a part of someone's body that say is maybe a little bit painful, um, and if we hold our breath or we constrict or we <gasps> like we're getting a fright or we're in pain, mm. your nervous system goes into this sort of protective mode. It doesn't want to release a muscle. It doesn't want to soften. So if I'm sort of coming onto a part of someone's body that maybe is in pain or that they're very re reactive or resistant to, if I can get them to really breathe out nice and softly, let go of the tension in the shoulders. So you're breathing in a way that tells your nervous system, Hey, it's okay. And, and you feel the tissue of someone's body really just let go um, mm. versus them trying to fight that pain or that discomfort or that position that maybe they're not familiar with. So if you can get access to a nervous system via the breath, um, it really helps you sort of uh, treat the patient on a, a more sort of system level rather than just that joint or that muscle because you're sort of calming down the nervous system at the same time, which I think really allows the body to, to sort of let go a little bit more and, and you access mm. those deeper parts of the tissue and the mobility. That's awesome, man. Could you talk a little bit about like what happens when people breathe from their nose and breathe from their mouth? Because I've heard a lot of, you know, differences in terms of this and how your tongue automatically like goes up on the roof of your mouth, you're breathing from your nose, for instance, or like these kinds of aspects. So yeah, it's super yeah. interesting to me. So talk to me a little bit about that. And I think that's actually probably if people ask me, like, what's the first thing I can do if I want to learn about breath work or my breath is really like that's such a simple thing is to breathe all of the time through your nose. Okay. And if we really look at the anatomy and the physiology, like our nose is designed for breathing and our mouth is actually designed for communicating and for eating. Mm -hmm. And so it has its own filtration system. It humidifies the air. It draws it deeper into the lungs. It sort of is antibacterial, it's antiviral properties from nitric oxide. So these wonderful complex processes that only happen when we breathe through the nose. And as soon as we open the mouth, we bypass all of that system that sort of biology has given us. Um, and then again, coming back to the nervous system, when we breathe through the mouth, it's more in that sort of active, sort of stress state of the nervous system. You're telling your brain that there's something you need to be aware of. You're a little bit more engaged because I'm breathing in a way that's telling me I need some energy. Like I'm breathing in this sort of right. short term, faster state. Whereas that nose again, more of the parasympathetic nervous system and sort of you're staying in a more balanced state um, that mm. you can move in and out of. And so it, it's really, I think the easiest thing to do, but probably the most bang for your buck, you get such amazing benefits from just 
being aware of when you breathe with your mouth or when you breathe through your nose. And I started implementing it with exercise and it was really interesting. I would ride my bike to work and it's maybe a 20 minute ride. And if I would ride just breathing through my mouth, I would get there and I was sweating and I was really puffed and I was really hot where I am in Australia. It was quite hot at the time. And it would take me 15 minutes to sort of come back down to my baseline. But then I sort of experimented with putting some tape across my mouth and only breathing through my nose while I cycled to work. And it took me the same amount of time, but I got there. I wasn't really sweating. I wasn't as hot. I wasn't puffed. Like, <sighs> like I was very close to my sort of baseline. So it also helps you recognize the sort of intensity that you're using in your body. Mm. And, and it helps you sort of stay at a more sustainable um, pace or rhythm. Right. That's amazing, man. And also I saw uh, one of your posts in terms of uh, left and right nostril breathing. Could you speak briefly about uh, the difference between the two nostrils and like the link that it has to the system? Yeah. And so that um, where I sort of came across that, that's more of a, a pranayama sort of um, based knowledge yeah. where it's linked to the, again, coming back to the nervous system, but the right nostril is linked to the left part of the brain and the left part of the brain is more of the sympathetic active nervous mm. system and so the left nostril right brain and if you've practiced some pranayama or yoga there's this sort of alternate nostril breathing where we go in one out the other in that mm. one out the other and if you think about what that's doing it's trying to bring balance to the two parts of the nervous system yeah um and so if you then sort of preference one you can if you think maybe i need to be more in that sympathetic state that energetic state I can try and start breathing through the right nostril, the left part of the brain, get that active energy um, and then vice versa. So I, I think it allows you um, to sort of more, I guess, regulate or access. Again, <laughs> I want my body to be in a calm state or an active state rather is, than just being at the whim of however it goes. At the whim. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no pun intended. Yeah. And it's also like uh, amazing because, you know, this is like exactly what biohackers do, right? They look for like all these different maps out there, but then they innovate and like they try to see like, oh man, this thing is working for this thing and, and you know, try and like really yeah. incorporate and the body sort of and mind. Test and retest or like yeah. trial and effect, like what does this do for me? And, and, and that's a, uh, something I've sort of learned I think is very interesting is breath is not one size fits all. And so everybody responds a little bit differently because like mm. you, for example, have a certain tolerance to carbon dioxide and to holding your breath. And, and so if you make everyone breathe at the same pace, the same rhythm, people have different sort of responses. Some people feel it energize them. Other people like that makes me really sleepy. And so it's this sort of mm. individualized thing that's based on your body, your physiology, your nervous system. And so it's very sort of, you can learn to, to twist the dials mm. and flick the knobs and levers and start to sort of yeah play mm. with the parts of the body it's quite cool that's really cool man and i guess that that's also where a practitioner can really help right is to personalize the the breathing techniques and tools for an individual yeah yeah and i think honestly and something i've seen again just with sort of teaching a lot of people is the way that you do it really matters and the technique is quite important because again these sort of what I call like the signatures of the breath. If I breathe like, <gasps> like really intense, my nervous system's like, whoa, what's going on? Okay, because mm. that's attached to this sort of idea of like, whoa, it's panic. Okay, but mm. if I breathe, like there's a really different response. And so sometimes I think people here, like the Wim Hof method is quite an active technique. And lots of people that maybe come to a workshop, they breathe. <sighs> and this is really 
quite intense for their nervous system. And if you sort of refine that a little bit and teach someone, hey, you can breathe really sort of softly, but and you just get as much air, as much oxygen, carbon dioxide, but your nervous system is not like reacting to this mm. really intense breathing, you get a completely different response. And so I think you can learn, um, like any other practice, you get better and better at breathing. And I know that sounds yeah. funny because we're all breathing, but yeah, so do you learn the the knobs and the levers. Mm, that's wonderful. And what are a few ways that people could, I guess, remind themselves or give them a little bit of an anchor in terms of breathing deeper throughout the day? Like what are some things that people can notice? Is it tension? Is it a feeling of like shallow breath? Like what can people look for when they can see that they're not really in their ideal um, breath? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, for me, the biggest thing and uh, is really awareness is noticing the way that you're breathing in certain situations, because mm -hmm. if you're not aware that you're breathing in a certain pattern, you can't change that. Yeah. And so awareness the first step I always teach people, for sure. yeah. exactly. That's, oh, I love that. And awareness precedes control mm. because you can think about changing your breath as much as you like, but if you don't notice when you've reverted to breathing through your mouth or when you're holding your breath or when you're quickening your breath, then all the techniques don't really matter because you don't get to implement them. And so the first step I always try and teach people is, is just first become aware notice, are you breathing with your nose or your mouth, your chest or your belly? Are you breathing quickly or slowly? And so I, I get people, and I think this is a really easy way to start noticing is perform what I call the breath check. And so it's three steps. It's super simple. You just check. Am I breathing with my nose and my mouth? And if you notice that you're breathing with your mouth, you just come back to your nose. Okay. And we sort of revert to that nasal breathing. You place a hand on your chest and the hand on your belly and you notice which part of my body is moving. And if your chest is moving, you're going to consciously think about, I'm going to breathe down into my belly with my diaphragm. Mm. And, and the third step is fast or slow. Okay? And there's always an opportunity, I think, just to slow down the breath. So you just take one, maybe two consciously slower breaths and then you forget about it and you get back on with whatever you're doing. Okay. Cause it's not something you want to be focusing on all the time mm. until the next moment you think about, Oh, I'm going to check my breath. And then nose or mouth, chest or belly, fast or slow. The more times you do that, it's almost as if you're training your autopilot. So that mm. when you're not thinking about it, you will be breathing with your nose, with your diaphragm, nice and slowly. And you're keeping your nervous system in a more sort of balanced, um, calm state. Mm, I love that. The breath check. If you think like I, I read this quite, I can't remember what the number was, but the number of times we check our phone per day, it was hundreds, if not thousands. And so mm. if you think about maybe I check my breath as many times, like it would be interesting to see what you could do for your nervous system. Yeah, that's wonderful. Yeah. Also perhaps like since we do use our phones quite actively, just have like an affirmation or something on there to a reminder to breathe or like have little, you know, auto suggestions around maybe on your fridge or like someplace where you can yeah, see it. Yeah. That's a really good idea. Yeah. <laughs> if every time you checked your phone, there was a little sort of like take a breath or something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Cause, and that, I think one of the most amazing things about breath is it's, you don't need any equipment. Okay. You have it with you all the time. It's free. Mm. It's almost instantaneous. So within two breaths, you can completely change your state. And so it doesn't require you to go anywhere to do anything. It just requires you to notice and then do something that takes mm. a few seconds. Um, and so I think that's a, a really unique aspect of it is that you don't need all these other things. You just need to learn how to use your breath. Mm. That's wonderful. Yeah. And I saw one of your posts, which was really amazing because I had this uh, similar idea in the past in terms of like, Fear and excitement kind of having that same 
of feeling physiologically. And you said that, like fear is the excitement without the breath, which I thought was awesome. Uh, and yeah, explain a little bit about that fear state, because I know a lot of people, you know, experience this kind of anxiety or this kind of low level anxiety, let's say like, it's like a radiator hum that people can't even notice at times. So, yeah. um, how could people like work, work towards like actively reframing that, uh, with the breath? That's a, a really great question as well. And, and so that sort of difference between fear and excitement, um, is something I, I picked up from one of the sort of head instructors in the Wim Hof method, um, mm. Dr. Trisha Smith. And she's talks about sort of neurochemically, like they're the same. Okay. It's mm. what I'm doing with my mind. Am I, looking forward to it or am I worried about it? And it's what I'm doing with my breath. Okay. Am I controlling my breath or is my breath controlling me? Mm. And so you can sort of transition these things that you maybe are scared of. And the ice bath is a perfect example is that that's quite scary for a lot of people. And if you can reframe that in your mind and you can breathe into it and be like, all right, well, I'm going to see this as a challenge and I'm going to do it and I'm capable and I've got this in the bag and you do it, you sort of reframe the way that you sort of look at challenges and responses. And I think the second part of what you touched on, which is a really good analogy, that sort of radiator hum, mm. that for a lot of people, if you're always going around at that sort of like 5,000 revs or like you're not mm. neutral, you're not sort of calm, you're always there, you forget that mm. there's sort of higher and lower to that. This, this is the state that you're in. And then you jump into an ice bath, which is like 10,000 revs, like boom, <laughs> the radiator blows up because it's right. so intense. And then again, you try and sort of, you're teaching yourself where the, where the 10 is and where the zero is. And that's how you can sort of mm. reset the sort of balance point or the, the sort of state or the hum of your nervous system and bring it back down to a lower baseline. And mm. so it's sort of this, this aspect of formesis, which is like what doesn't kill us makes us stronger sort of thing that if you can train yourself to deal with those sort of intense stimulus um, and regain your sort of balance point and, and sort of deescalate the nervous system, um, mm. then you can do that in lots of other times. And so that fear versus excitement, you sort of learn, well, like if I can manage the ice bath, this thing I'm terrified of, like what else can I manage? What other things mm. that I think are too hard or too difficult or not for me? So yeah. you sort of gain this sense of self-confidence um, and capability or this inner fire that Wim talks about that mm. all of us have. And it's just sort of learning to tap into that. I love that, man. Yeah, it's almost like when uh, Brian Tracy says, eat that frog, right? So if you eat that frog <laughs> in the morning and that's like cold exposure and the rest of the day, it's like whatever comes up, it's like doesn't really compare yeah, it to the you, intense you, feeling. Yeah, You yeah. do that hard thing first. Um, yeah. And I think that's also a really um, important thing that we've started to lose in the last maybe few hundred years is this sort of like, being uncomfortable or doing a hard thing or doing a thing that sucks a little bit. Like um, there's another instructor that talks about embrace the suck. Like, yeah, the ice bath sucks, but if you can like get into it and like connect with it and embrace it, then it doesn't suck so much. Like, mm -hmm. so it's sort of learning how you uh, engage with the difficult thing um, and like doing it first or stepping up and doing it. Like it's quite an interesting analogy when you're in a really warm shower and you look and you think like, like sometimes when I've been in the US where it's really quite cold, I'm like, ah, I'm not gonna do it today. Like I don't need to do it. And the little part of the mind, but then mm. you know, sort of like do the hard thing, you turn it cold mm. um, and it sucks. Like it sucks for a few minutes, but then afterwards yeah. you're like, wow, I'm so glad I did that. Like now I feel amazing. I think you answered my next question because I was about to ask you like, for people who are just getting into cold exposure or like this kind of work, like, 
you know, what are some ways which they could sort of like ease themselves into it? So would they like sort of experiment with a cold shower first before yeah. delving in? Yeah. And that's a, that's a really important point. I think sometimes people jump into the deep end being an ice bath. Um, but really, if you look at the Wim Hof method, it's gradual exposure to cold. And so you're letting your body adapt. And so what I always recommend to people is sort of have the normal shower that you have and then finish the shower with maybe 15 mm. seconds of cold. Okay. And maybe you do that for a few days and then see if you can do 30 seconds or you might start with your feet and your legs and then you slowly do more of your body, but you let your body adapt. Um, because mm. that's one thing the human body is amazing at is adapting. And so if you give it these little bits of sort of stimulus, um, you get better and better at dealing with the cold and you sort of build yourself up to a few minutes. So you get that physiological response from the body. But the most important thing is that you're really listening to your body. Um, it's not really about like, I want to try and make 30 seconds. It's, can I get into that cold? Can I again, come back and calm my breath down? Can I relax my shoulders? Can I be okay? with the intensity or the discomfort or whatever it is that I'm feeling. And once I get to that point, I can get out and you sort of slowly build up that way. Um, and it's sort of really trying to get you in touch with what's happening in your body. I think for lots of us and a lot of the time we live from the neck up. We're so, there's so much going on in our head that we forget that our body is this wonderfully complex um, intel, like your body knows, uh, lots <laughs> to put it sort right. of shortly and, and we sort of get stuck up here that we ignore that and so of course your body can adapt to cold water or like an ice bath but it's really getting your mind out of the way and sort of connecting and allowing your body to feel those sensations and, and adapt rather than like mm. oh this sucks i've got to get out or right. i can't do this it's too hard i got to get out and sort of allowing your body to to take over you know that's so interesting man because that reminds me that flow is a in terms of the flow state risk is a flow trigger Right. And so it actually, when you feel this sense of like, oh man, this is an intense experience is actually putting you more in the zone, right? Where nothing else really matters, but what your sen the sensations of the, of the cold that you're getting. So I think that, yeah. yeah, cold exposure by itself can be like a flow state a little bit. <laughs> For sure. And I think one of the things I love um, about sort of the aspect of flow state and something I heard Wim say one time is like, an ice bath is forced mindfulness. And so if you think mm. of mindfulness as like, oh, gonna be, yeah. when you're in an ice bath, you're not thinking about what you're doing tomorrow, what someone said yesterday, what you're having for dinner. You're like here now, like dealing with mm. the ice bath. And I imagine yeah. like, as you said, danger, like skydiving or sort of cliff mm. jumping, one of these things like you've got to be really engaged with what you're doing. Otherwise it's going to end badly for totally. you. Like, so that fear or that danger or that sort of excitement forces you into that state that again really sort of connects with your body and like oh i've got to be here and i've got to sort of do the the right thing rather than like half my mind's thinking about next week and what am i doing oh like and you get distracted mm. so i love I that think forced, it definitely puts you there i love forced the forced mindfulness, forced mindfulness. <laughs> yeah because it, it really reminds me of like when a few of my clients who come to me and then they're like they have they're experiencing panic attack or something like that. Like I always tell them to like, you know, eat something spicy or like, you know, have like an ice that they squeeze. And so that completely makes sense in terms of like how they're getting back in tune with their bodies again, or simply like when people experience social anxiety to just wiggle their toes just to, you yeah. know, get them back into their body again. So, yeah. Because that's a, a really, like, I sort of teach a lot of the same sort of things and sort of using your breath or like touching the ice or the cold or connecting with a part of your body. And there's, mm -hmm. it's sort of 
drawing your mind back to your body because a lot of the anxiety or the so and as like social anxiety is a perfect example a lot of what the anxiety is coming from is up here like it's not a sort of body up thing so if you can draw your mind back to the sensation of an ice cube in your hand it stops the mind doing what it's doing the mind goes oh what's happening in the body sort of thing so it's, it's a wonderful way to draw the mind sort of back to the body rather than letting it go off in the ways that our mind goes off <laughs> right yeah and it's almost also like it's it's like i think it's like you know tell mind teleportation in a sense because it's like we go into the past or the future we're never in the present moment and what the breath does is sort of solidify like okay i'm here now like and as you mentioned that forced mindfulness aspect has got to be very very important and also talk to me a little bit about like what happens when you know your clients get out of the ice bath because there's got to be like a recovery period or like a consolidation phase where they're like taking yes. all this intense experience in so what about the aftercare and could you yeah speak about that yeah <laughs> and i think I, I often sort of say in my workshops that as you get out of the ice bath the job is not done um, it's more or less just sort of beginning. Mm. Um, and so the ice bath brings that intensity, but as you get out of the ice bath, can you maintain that sense of focus, that sense of awareness of your body um, to allow your body to sort of come back to its natural point and you begin to sort of heat yourself up. But it's mm. quite interesting if, if people jump out of the ice bath and they're so excited because they did it and they tell and they're talking and, and they forget that again, they're back into sort of communicate. And then all of a sudden they're all, oh, oh they, they start to get a little bit cold. They notice the body like, oh, where, so I always try and as you get out of the ice bath, you have to spend sort of one to two minutes where you're just moving consciously, sort of feeling your body, noticing your breath and allowing your body the opportunity to sort of warm it. So, and it's quite interesting after maybe 30 or 40 seconds, you'll start to feel this sort of like heat coming up from your legs into your sort of chest and you feel your body is warm again. And then people realize, oh, I'm, I'm comfortable, I'm fine, I'm okay. And then you can sort of enjoy the endorphin rush that comes and, and you feel really amazing. But it's really important to sort of maintain that, again, sense of connection with the body as you come out of the ice bath and you allow yourself to sort of come back to baseline or to that neutral point. Mm, that's wonderful. And I'm thinking about like the concept of, as far as science that I know, in terms of homeostasis and like how the body naturally wants to, you know, control back to its regular temperature and i'm thinking of like when you know similarly when we step out of a sauna for instance we feel this intense like suddenly this this feeling of uh, cold rush if we step outside from a sauna or something we feel this cold air and immediately our body tells us like oh man there's something different right and that difference that you feel is often this kind of change or this integration or maybe flushing of some toxins happening or something like that. So yeah, it's definitely. And I, and I think it. it's also something that we've started to um, miss and avoid. And our body's always used to deal with temperature variation. It was really hot and it was really cold, but again, sort of as modern technology um, gets more and more involved in life, like we now have air conditioning or heating or a jacket. So we actually get used to just staying in this very controlled sense of temperature and, mm. and again, level of sort of stress that I get in my car and it's the same temperature as the office and then I get mm. home and it's the same temperature. And so when you feel these sort of fluctuations, it feels quite a shock. But if you do sauna as you heat your body up or you do cold exposure and hop in an ice bath and cool it down is you're mm. sort of 
tapping back into that ability of the body to open all your blood vessels or close all your blood vessels to respond to your environment Mm. rather than it being in this sort of encapsulated like controlled space where you don't stress the body you don't give it something to sort of work against yeah and also like i know that it can also help in terms of boosting immunity, right? So tell me a bit about like the benefits of actually doing this kind of work. Like what are the benefits that people notice long-term? Yeah, so I like, I try and boil it down to a few sort of um, easy to grasp ones, but for the nervous system, like we sort of touched on, you're teaching yourself how to move from a stress response to a relaxation response. Mm -hmm. But on a sort of cardiovascular level, we have about 120,000 kilometers of, of blood vessels in our body. And when you get into wow. ice water, they all constrict. And when you get out, they all open up. And so it's sort of like interval training for your entire cardiovascular system. So it can be great for sort of blood pressure and heart. Mm. Um, and then again, if, if you sort of look at on the metabolism side and, and the sort of the fat burning side, it's really interesting as well, because like you touched on this homeostasis, the body wants to come back to its baseline temperature um, mm. that we all sort of sit at this sort of 37 degrees or so. So when you hop in an ice bath and you drop the core temperature, it has to warm itself back up. And it does that by mainly burning calories to warm mm. the body back up, increasing the metabolism. So you can look at it and the sort of physical benefits, the physiological benefits and the sort of neurological benefits. Um, mm. and, and the breath work as well sort of touches on a lot of those things as well. And also, like you mentioned, that sort of acid, altered state of sort of consciousness. So it allows you to... I, I think almost access a meditative state um, mm. more at will. I found it's really um, enhanced my meditation is that after I do say three or four rounds of Wim Hof breathing or forms of breath work, like I feel I'm very in the meditative state where I'm like, Oh, this is, this is what it is. This is what it's, I'm looking for sometimes. Um, mm. So I think it's a nice stepping stone to get you into those sort of states totally. of, of awareness or consciousness. Yeah, because I had a really rough time, you know, meditating or getting into meditation. But I noticed that breath work was like that perfect kind of gateway to like really experience the long term effects of meditation very quickly. It's like, yeah. And so it's, yeah, it's a great way for people who are very, you know, in their heads a lot to experience that those great feelings of breath work. And I think it's almost a little bit easier than meditation for the first, yeah. if you're starting to meditate, it's quite a, um, I don't know if difficult is the right word, but a practice. Whereas if you begin to breathe in a certain way, it's almost like you're using your physiology to achieve a different um, state of mind or psychology. So it's like a little stepping stone or a sneaky way to get yourself to that sort of quieter state of mind. That I think if you just go into meditation, it's quite a hard um, sort of idea to grasp to, to grasp or get your head around as to like, all right, how do I quiet my mind? But if you have these sort of more aware states of your body, like your mind will quiet naturally because you're just sort of noticing what's happening in your body and, and more of the sort of physical sensations. Right. And if so, you look at almost any sort of meditative practice um, in history, they most of them begin by watching the breath or sort of noticing the breath. And yeah. so I think therein lies like an invitation that noticing your breath becomes a meditation. And changing your breath sort of changes that response as well. Yeah, that's really amazing. And I almost see what you're doing is as a healing practice. So like for people who are, you know, going through this intense experience, it's almost, I can almost imagine like a lot of their emotions or emotional release would come out like in these moments. Yes. And so 
talk to me about experiencing that, experiencing like people's different emotions and fleshing out and, and the catharsis that's kind of happening in those moments. Yeah. yeah, that's something that um, sort of as I've taught the practice more and more has become a more um, important aspect that I see at workshops. And for myself, it was a lot of when I started the practice um, was more of the sort of the meditative, the physical, the physiological um, but then I would notice people having these huge but wonderful emotional releases where, and they wouldn't necessarily understand or have a reason why they were sad or, but at the end of, you would just be, have these waves of overwhelming emotion. Lots of people begin to cry and mm. you can see them having this sort of release and sort of letting it go. And, and you talk to them afterwards and they're like, wow, I just feel like I let go of some stuff. I don't know where it came from but I, I felt it come up and, and I've had it myself quite numerous times. I'll finish the breathing and I've got sort of tears in my eyes and I haven't even realized that like there's nothing sad happening. I'm just, my body's obviously letting go of some emotional tension or mm. um, energy that again, you're sort of using the breath to put your nervous system and body into a state to allow some of that emotional stuff to maybe come up and move. Um, and I think mm. as humans, we're, we're not very good at letting stuff go. It happens. We, tend to hold on to it we think about it yeah. we remember it we re-experience it and breath allows you to sort of let that emotional tension come up and release and, and you can let go of it for a lot of people yeah and i do know that there are certain kinds of breath work that per particularly focus in on like trauma release and that kind of yeah i believe it's called biodynamic as well yeah so, yeah. I spoke with, a, I've met a few biodynamic breathwork um, practitioners or instructors. Yeah. And it's a lot more, as you sort of touched on, is it, it's really about accessing that old trauma and, and allowing it to come up and facilitating it to come up. Wow. It's quite amazing. And does this also kind of link towards like, let's say, you know, certain points of the body, as you mentioned, it holds on to like certain muscle memories and things like that. So um, do you feel that there's, like a holding pattern that can be brought up through doing any kind of uh, physiotherapy work like that can, that can bring that up as well. Yes, for sure. Um, I've actually sort of just by chance. And then I, I looked more into some research and, and some conversations about the topic, but I've noticed when I release someone's diaphragm that quite often they'll have some emotional stuff come up and they'll sort of be laying on the table and they sort of st start to say and feel like I'm feeling quite sad or upset or anxious. And again, if we think about when we typically contract the diaphragm or we hold the diaphragm is when we're scared or when we're in pain or when we get a fright or when, we, or when we're stressed, we tend to hold our breath in. Mm. And so we associate that sort of tissue or that contraction with that state of physiology and mind. And when you begin to sort of move around that tissue and release, sometimes that sort of emotion begins to come up, which I think mm. is pretty incredible. Yeah. Um, there's this very interesting book um, by a sort of, I, I can't remember he's from, he's a psychologist in the US, um, Bessel van der Kolk, I think his name is. The, the book is called The Body Keeps the Score. And it's about the holding patterns and the way that the body holds on to trauma and emotional pain and tension in these very, very interesting ways. Um, and there's some quite interesting research that sort of points to your body having a memory of the traumatic events that occurred. So the way your nervous system interpreted that. So yeah, it starts to open up that avenue of, uh, of trying to allow facilitate that aspect of healing as well. Yeah. Which I think is really interesting. 
it's so amazing to get your perspective here, Campbell, because, you know, I've had a pe- people on this podcast who are like, you know, somatic psychotherapists and a lot of different other points of view, but like seeing the point of view from the breath and physiotherapy point standpoint is really super interesting as well. Um, and especially, you know, this podcast is all about the flow state. So, you know, this directly kind of links to that you know, feeling that parasympathetic, you know, feeling where you're just like, you're in the zone, man, and nothing else matters. And, and you're just feeling really good and performing your best. And so what makes you feel at, at the flow state? Like, what makes you feel like you're in the zone? Um, of course, I can imagine like uh, breath work as well as cold exposure. <laughs> yeah, but I won't go for the easy answer. That's it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> because they are the two obvious ones that I definitely notice. Um, yeah. But anything that I've noticed that sort of brings me more to the present moment, I think one of the really cool aspects of flow that I sort of read about and I definitely experienced myself is this sense of timelessness Mm. that all of a sudden, like you forget or you don't even notice how long you're in this practice. And one thing that I sort of learned just by, I guess, accident was drawing. Um, I really sort of get engrossed in the practice of the the sort of process and I'm not really consciously thinking about what I'm doing I just my hand begins to move and I I sort of disconnect and I notice my breath really slows down and and that's when I sort of have that um sort of oh maybe more in retrospect I'm like oh like an hour just passed by and I I thought I was here for a few minutes and so for me that sort of practice definitely takes me into that flow state um maybe not as a sort of energetic level that's even sort of playing sports or or hiking I think is another thing I, d- I love to get outside and sort of on some more difficult trails that require you to sort of be engaged where you're putting your feet and what you're moving through the environment. So you're sort of more engaged, but they're probably the two practices being out in nature and, and drawing. That's awesome, man. Yeah. I've experienced this kind of like stream of consciousness, uh, uh, feeling where I'm drawing and I just let my pen do the work for me or like my marker do the work for me. And yeah, I've, you know, as a kid, I wanted to be like a comic book writer. So I, I love drawing like little cartoons and things like that. So when I definitely get into like a flow state or an automatic drawing, if we can even call it that, like automatic writing, (laughs) right? (laughs) Where, where completely we start, you know, just whatever the subconscious mind wants to kind of pictorially represent, it comes out at that time. You're like, what is this thing that I drew? But I guess it's part of it now, you know? Yeah. It's about embracing it. it. Exactly. And just letting your hand flow and letting whatever yeah. comes out, come out sort of thing. Yeah. And I think the more that you can almost get out of your own way and let your hand do what it's doing, the better it almost yeah. gets. And sort of the more that you try and enforce or influence the sort of less, right. um, less creative or less sort of flow there is to it. Yeah. Do you ever experiment with like adding colors and like things like that? I, I do a little bit. I, I definitely prefer, I've found just black and white, but yeah. like text, um, <laughs> like having sort of the thin and the thick and the darker and like the sort of wider pens so that you can get the different sort of block mm. or thin, like the volumes of the, of the color, I think is really cool. I, I prefer that more than colors. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, it's, it's, there's also almost like this kind of, uh, optical illusion quality to it as well with just the black and white. Right. It almost feels yeah, for like sure. you see the contrast or contrast, the like yeah. strong lines and stuff, I think must do something to your visual system. Yeah. 
It's like a complete paradox. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. Awesome, man. So um, one final like question that I ask people and then you can, you know, give people your link and plug yourself for what you're doing currently. Um, so if I gave you like a megaphone, right, and you can shout out your message to the entire cosmos, like everybody could hear it. <laughs> And it would like kind of like resonate out into the world. What would be your message that you would yell into that megaphone? Mm, that's a really good question. Um, I think I would try and notify people that when you become aware of your breath, you become aware of your life. Mm. And so I think a lot of the times we have lots of stuff going on and I'm doing lots of things and we can get caught up in the sort of pace of things. But if you can sort of come back and notice your breath, you notice your body, you notice what moment you're in. And so the more we can notice our breath, the more we'll notice what's happening in our sort of present moment rather than living in the future or the past. Uh, so I think awareness is a really powerful thing and noticing your breath, you notice your environment and then you can begin to change um, and create the sort of life or the environment that you want. Awesome, man. I love it. So yeah, how can people get in touch with you, Campbell, if they want to work with you one on one or if they want to, you know, reach out to you? Yeah, so I do obviously in person workshops, I um, with the whole sort of coronavirus um, pandemic, I've pushed a lot of stuff online, which has been really cool to sort of explore that avenue. Um, so I do lots of online sessions. Um, on my social media is at breath body therapy. Um, it's also at breath, oh, sorry, breathbodytherapy.com. Um, and so I, I offer sort of personalized respiratory assessments and looking at how to provide you with protocols for your sort of specific um, life. Like if you need protocols for sleep or if you need protocols to wake up or you're dealing with anxiety, um, stress relief, like we can develop breath practices around your physiology and your nervous system and your understanding of how you breathe tailored to your sort of needs. Um, and so people can sort of reach me via my website. Um, I also have been starting this really sort of fun thing called Breath Connect, um, where people have been booking either for their family or their friends or their companies, where we all jump on a Zoom call and there's sort of 10 to 20 people. And we sort of 15 minutes of a little bit of education about what your breath does and how to use it. And then yeah. everyone has this sort of experience together from whatever parts of the world they are. Um, and you sort of get this sense of connection. So if you've got a group of friends or you've got a group of family or your sort of company um, and you want a novel sort of educational but amazing experience, um, mm. you can reach out and sort of organize that Breath Connect. And so, yeah, at Breath Body Therapy, breathbodytherapy.com. That's beautiful, man. And uh, do you still have a little bit of time left to have people uh, guide through like a quick five-minute breath work? Yeah, for sure. I would love to. Awesome. Um, yeah. That would be great. Um, and so if anyone is going to participate in this practice, um, you're doing it in a sort of safe and controlled manner. You're not driving a car, you're not walking, right. you find a space. Um, so if you are in your car or anything like that, maybe just sort of come back to this Park part it. of the podcast. <laughs> yeah. yeah, when you're at home. Because <laughs> that way you can really sort of connect with the experience and we're not letting anyone sort of do anything dangerous. Right. Um, but we can all sort of firstly just close our eyes um, and maybe begin to notice the body before anything else, where I'm sitting or where I'm laying. Maybe what I can feel, tension, just any parts of my body. And from there, we sort of just let our awareness find our breath. Maybe it's coming in through the nose. Maybe you notice it down through the throat or the chest or the belly. Wherever it's sort of most obvious or clear to you, just try and pick up on your breath and sit with it for a few cycles. 
And really when, it's, we, when it, we bring attention to the breath, we sort of connect this mind and body or this brain and heart, these sort of parts of the body. So we can now just begin to slightly deepen the inhale, drawing in through the nose, but letting the breath just grow a little bit larger. Letting your exhale just flow out. It's almost as if the breath is beginning to build itself. We're not forcing, but we're just noticing the inhale gets a little bit larger. The exhale, we let go of a bit more. Each breath becoming slightly larger. Each exhale becoming slightly softer. And again, feeling your body expand on the inhale and relax on the exhale. Notice the breath from the belly up into the chest and then that sort of softening. And we're just going to take three more breaths. So big full inhale now all the way in and really all the way. The body be still, let the breath be still. As if we're just gently holding and again, noticing the body, relaxing any tension, softening the forehead, the jaw, I'm just finding a really, really gentle sort of stillness. If you need to breathe or you notice the breath wants to come back in, you just let it come back in and flow back out. And just checking in with how your body feels, how your mind feels, how your breath feels. Is it smooth? Is it slow? Is it easy? And from there, we can maybe just simply allow the eyes to blink open, adjust to the light, notice your environment, your space, your moment much more and sort of remember that it, it only really takes a minute so you can come back to your breath you can become conscious of it change it gently connect with your with your body and, and with the sort of present moment so hopefully that sort of brings a little bit of relaxation and a bit of stillness for the day or the evening that was wonderful Campbell thank you so much for being here and we appreciate you for being on here and yeah Thanks for tuning in. May the flow be with you. <laughs> I love it. Thanks a lot, Samet. It, it was a pleasure. Take good care of yourself, audience. May the flow be with you. Join See you next Flow time. Awakening episode. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and follow at Flowzone Academy on Instagram. That's at F-L-O-Z-O-N-E-A-C-A-D-E-M-Y. May the flow be with you and stay legendary. Until next time, Flowmies.